Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii, and welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner. It's always a pleasure to be with you. It's uh, morning in Maui. It's 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. It's 1 o'clock on the west coast of the United States, 4 in the afternoon in the east coast, 20 hours GMT, or Universal Coordinated Time, UTC. Nice to be with you. Today we're going to talk about a non-political alternative to politics. We're going to talk about a, a term coined fully 10 years ago, which unfortunately never really caught on. At least the mass media does not use the term cultural creatives. And it's unfortunate because I think it describes a lot of us and maybe a lot of you who are attracted to this kind of programming, um, whether it's a webinar, there's not much on the radio, uh, books, seminars, what have you. You may be a cultural creative and not know it. And here's an opportunity for many of you, I think, to find yourself in a whole new way. If, if we share a certain set of values and yet we're not politically motivated, what are we? Uh, we're often referred to in the media as progressives, as liberals, as um, left-leaning baby boomers, left-to-center boomers. Um, I, I think many people who share the values that I share, which is sort of a, 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 a set of 60s values, really, about the environment and human rights, and the gross injustices of war and extreme poverty and such. We share these values, but we're not politically motivated. We don't really like politics. Um, many of us despise politics, and yet we're often portrayed as being out here on the left when we're really not on the left. <laughs> And our position is not political at all, but rather cultural. I would argue, and I said as much in the newsletter this week, that the tide that swept Barack Obama into office was not a bunch of lefty liberals. It was a cultural tide of women and men of all ages, but of an emerging culture in society that wants change and understands we're going to have to interface with government and politics, no question about that. But we're not driven by political ideology. We're driven more by our thoughts, for we tend to be rather well-educated group of people, cultural creatives. We're driven by our emotional nature and... Um, in many cases, the core, there's, there's really a couple of kinds of cultural conservatives, and the core cultural conservatives, the hard core, if you will, tend to be spiritual but not religious. And you hear that phrase in America and Europe increasingly, that I'm a spiritual person but I'm not religious. That's part of this uh, whole phenomenon known as the cultural creatives. So that's our theme for the day today. Again, we'll uh, 
take your questions and comments a little bit later in the class, maybe about 40 minutes from now. So you can do that. Um, leave a question or a comment either by text on the web or live, since we are live here, and that's half of the fun, uh, by telephone. You can participate either way. You can listen in either way and participate on the phone as well as uh, on the web. So we'll tell you more about that a little later uh, in the hour. But let me tell you, first of all, where this whole idea comes from. There was a book published in the year 2000, so that's fully 10 years ago, entitled The Cultural Creatives, and the subtitle is how 50 million people are changing the world. This was published by Harmony Books in uh, New York in October of 2000 by um, two PhD-type doctors, uh, Paul Ray and Sherry Ruth Anderson. And they coined the term cultural creatives. Uh, by the way, I put together a, a little handout uh, with some notes and a questionnaire that I'm going to review in class today. Um, I, I put that together from Wikipedia and also the primary website for cultural creatives uh, called culturalcreatives.org. And so there's two references for you, a Wikipedia, of course and culturalcreatives.org. Those are my primary sources. And I'll make this handout available to you in a PDF file if you send me an email. And you can do that after the show. I'm, uh, after the class, I'm obviously not going to do email during the class, but when we're done, I'll check my email later today. And if you'd like a copy of this handout, uh, it's about two and a half pages in a PDF format, so uh, any computer, any platform will read it. Just send an email to me at mb, my initials, mb, at theagelesswisdom.com, right? and say, send me that outline from the webinar today, that cultural creatives handout that you mentioned in class today. Email that back to me, would you? And uh, I'll be happy to do that. It's a PDF file, okay? Cultural creatives. So we'll do that later. I think that uh, the best way to begin to talk about what a cultural creative is and the way it works into ageless wisdom and personal and spiritual development is that we really are values-driven. Now, the political right wing in America likes to pretend that it's cornered the market on values. This is a game that organized churches have played for a long time. The Catholic and Protestant churches, um, I'm sure to some extent the, the Jewish uh, synagogues and the Muslim mosques and temples um, have there are spokespeople who would say the same thing. You know, our religion is about values. It's about morality. It's about ethics. It's about the quality of of who you are. 
Well, many of us gag on that because we look at religion and we go, values. The Catholic Church has values, raping children, right, in thousands and thousands of cases and throughout history, and, and as if the, the, the raping of children is not bad enough, you have a cover-up that now uh, goes all the way to the Vatican and apparently includes the Pope himself. Um, but the Protestants, our Protestant friends, are, are just as guilty of promoting war, of uh, aligning with a far-right-wing political ideology, in many cases, not all cases, not every fundamentalist Christian is aligned with the political right, but more are than really would make sense. Where are the Christian values in starting illegal wars, elective wars for oil, and lying to people about it? Where are the religious values in torture? Where are the religious values the Christian values or Judeo-Christian values in throwing out rights of habeas corpus, of uh, spying on American citizens and eavesdropping without a court warrant, and um, what we've seen in government in, in, in the last 10 years in this regard. Uh, where are the Christian values in abandoning your neighbors in Katrina and then blaming the victims of that hurricane uh, for their plight. Certainly, the idea that the right wing has cornered values and that in order to be a person, ethical, moral, of high values, you have to be a fundamentalist. You have to be a right wing Christian or a Jew or a Muslim or whatever uh, is absurd on the surface of it. There are many of us on the left, if you will, or who find that we just don't fit on this political spectrum at all, who consider us ourselves to be very much value-driven. But our values are against war, um, to oppose imperialism, uh, to fight for human rights, rather than overthrow democracies and install dictators uh, or wiretap your neighbor's telephone. Um, our values are very different, and we could argue which are more Christian or more Judeo-Christian or whose values are right and whose values are hypocritical. But the cultural creative is somebody that is more complex than can be explained by a position on the political spectrum. As I said before, we tend not to be political ideologues. We're not driven by uh, a political ideology. We're driven by our hearts and our minds. We tend to be rather well-educated. We tend to be kind and compassionate. We tend to work for uh, harmony, uh, to want to build rather than to tear down, uh, and to see large concepts where most others in society are focused only on the details, on the bits and the pieces. And it takes a special person uh, 
um, to be able to breathe and relax and sit back and contemplate the the harmony or the unity that stands above all of the dissension and and, and arguing uh, to get an overview an overarching picture of what's happening in society in our culture and in the world as human beings awaken from their deep sleep and begin to find out who we really are and what we're really for and much of it is promoted, of course, by the crises that we find ourselves in, economic crisis, social crisis, political crisis, crisis of education, of, of health care, of infrastructure. Uh, the whole world seems to be falling apart around us, <laughs> literally. Uh, uh, skyscrapers falling down, uh, bridges falling into rivers, uh, you know, it snows for more than 10 minutes in New England, and more people lose their power than lost power in Chile during the great earthquake a couple of weeks ago. It's just, oh, it snowed. I guess we're going to all lose our power. Uh, that's an interesting allegory, too, losing your power. Uh, so if you're one of those people who says, you know, I think I got a sense of what Michael's talking about. They sort of look like liberal values, but I don't really feel comfortable on the left. I I really don't think government can solve our problems. Um, I, I see a need for more social justice, but I'm not sure that the government is the primary institution to do that. Maybe the the institution that needs to be developed here is hardly an institution at all, but groups of like-minded individuals working in their families and their communities in positive and life-affirming and constructive ways to make the world a better place, starting in your neighborhood, on your block, in your city and then spreading out from there. So I'd like to go to this handout and describe some of the bullet points on here, some of the values. Uh, and again, this first little bit is from Wikipedia, which I really love as a source because it's uh, so democratic. You know, everybody contributes, anybody can contribute to Wikipedia. So like everything else on the Internet, you've got to take it with a, a grain of salt. You've got, you've got to remember that, well, again, anybody can post anything. Wikipedia tries to police itself, but I think that's good. What it means is, like a journalist, those of us who are consumers of news can behave like a journalist by always looking for attribution, always looking at the source of your material, and comparing and contrasting diverse and antagonistic information, deliberately seeking contrasting views on a particular subject. And that's part of the research I always do, and that's part of why I, I like Wikipedia. It's sort of the Wild West, you know. It's not an authority. It's sort of a, an aggregation of con 
conventional wisdom, but it's a good it's a it's a good place to begin. So the authors of this book from ten years ago, the cultural creatives, how fifty million people are changing the world, Dr. Ray and Dr. Anderson, assert that values are the best single predictor of real behavior. That's a direct quote from the book. Values, the best single predictor of real behavior. And here's a short little list. Actually, I have a couple of them. That outlines the values that dictate a cultural creative's behavior. First of all, there are five basic values that would tend to identify an individual as a cultural creative. Again, one who looks pretty much like a liberal or a lefty, but doesn't really like politics and doesn't think government can solve all of our problems. A cultural creative uh, is a person who behaves in the following way. Um, their values include authenticity. Their actions must be consistent with their words and their beliefs, and they look for other people who are authentic and genuine and and true to themselves. Secondly, cultural creatives tend to be engaged in action. They're taking action. They're doing something now. And they're also engaged in whole process learning. They're seeing the world as interwoven and connected. Okay? Sounds like you, doesn't it? Thirdly, Cultural creatives are idealistic and activist-oriented. Idealism and activism are big values. Four, globalism and the ecology. Ecology, the ecosystem, the environment, the way other issues like energy impact the environment. These are, again, very important values to a cultural creative. And fifth is the importance of women. Women have been denigrated and derided and demeaned in all cultures all around the world from time out of mind, uh, largely because they were smaller in stature and tended, therefore, not to be as physically strong. It's also not in a woman's nature to be as brutish or as violent, arguably because they bear children, they bring forth life and then nurture that life. So it could be argued that would be a good reason for them not to want to get into fights and beat people up. Um, There are a few women that like to do that, you know, but um, not many, you know, the tendency. So... Uh, there's the beginning. Now, core cultural creatives, the hardcore, also value altruism. All right, that's like um, you know what altruism is. It's just kindness, and to be altruistic is to be philanthropic, uh, to be charitable, and that's a great word too. Charity, by the way, uh, charity has an archaic and now obsolete meaning that I would love to see revived. In fact, at times, charity was capitalized, capital C charity, when this meaning was intended. 
And that's the oneness of all things. Charity, if you look it up in a really good dictionary, you'll see this archaic definition from long ago when charity, as in faith, hope, and charity, had to do with loving your neighbor as yourself, uh, understanding that your neighbor is you, that you and your neighbor have a common source, and uh, that your neighbor is not just the guy next door or down the block, but on the other side of the world, every human on planet Earth is your neighbor, all right, in, in this regard. So altruism, but also self-actualization, the core cultural creatives are interested, as I know many of you are, because this is the terminology that I use, and Steve and I at FocusedPassion.com use, finding your self, your true self, your higher self, and to actualize, or that's more of a humanitarian term, usually in spirituality, self-actualization is called self-realization. For our purposes, they're similar enough, close enough. And spirituality. So, we have these five bullet points that I mentioned, but then the hardcore cultural creatives also value altruism, self-actualization or realization, and spirituality. Again, as I said before, these are the people in your life who are saying to you as you meet them, as you get to know them better, well, I'm a spiritual person, but not religious. All right because they have that longing in their heart, but they can hardly tolerate the hypocrisy of our institutions. Religion is just one of the institutions. Uh, government is another. Corporations are another. Unions are another. Schools are another, and so on. They all are corrupt in their own way. In 2008, just a couple of years ago, there was an author named Ron Rentel, or Rentel, R-E-N-T-E-L, Rentel, who wrote a book about marketing to cultural creatives, by cultural creatives. The book's called Karma Queens, Geek Gods, and Innerpreneurs. Again, Ron Rentel, R-E-N-T-E-L. The first to identify a cultural creative subculture in entrepreneurism. A lot of us who are, again, cultural creatives more than simply liberals, want the freedom of working for ourselves, of being self-employed or an entrepreneur. But this author calls that kind of entrepreneurism that we're interested in, innerpreneur. Right, coined the term, innerpreneurs, a cultural creative entrepreneur, have um, certain defining characteristics, including, according to this bullet point list in my handout from, this is from Wikipedia, a high need for achievement. See if this doesn't relate to you. A high need for achievement. It doesn't say a high need to buy stuff, right, or to own a huge house or a Maserati, just achievement. 
a high need for independence, you don't like working for an idiot, right? Uh, aren't we all uh, frustrated by having to work at people, work for people who don't know what they're doing and who don't even care? I mean, if they if they were incompetent but they were trying to get better, uh, that kind of a boss maybe you could work with, if not for. But so many people in the workplace just don't care. They're like these Congress people. You know, on the health care debate, it's not what's best for the people of the country. It's not what are we going to do about sick people. It's what about my campaign contribution? <laughs> Am I going to get reelected? It's so shameful. I don't know how they get the nerve to appear in public. A um, inner printer, okay, again, the idea of doing business as a cultural creative also includes a low need for conformity. You don't care if anybody else is doing what you're doing. An internal locus of control. The love of ambiguity, which I really like, <laughs> is a value. I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody say it quite like that. The love of ambiguity. I would, I would argue even the love of paradox. In our class here every Sunday, we talk a lot about paradox and how the great, often most profound philosophical truths are found in contradiction or paradox, ambiguity, if you will. A couple others. A, uh, a propensity for risk-taking and an obsession with opportunity, finding opportunity. Now you can say, well, that's pretty much true for all entrepreneurs, isn't it? No, not really. A lot of entrepreneurs um, have a high need for achievement, for independence maybe, but they tend to conform. Uh, they're willing to yield um, internal control for being controlled by the marketplace. Um, they're willing to catch a wave and surf it rather than do the paddling or the, the pebbling <laughs> necessary to get where you're going. And so those are some of the differences. There's a little more I want to share with you here and then talk about this. I've got an 18-question, um, well, a questionnaire that's 18 questions long that I'm going to share with you to help you, again, find yourself and and decide how you feel on some of these issues and does this fit for you and to what degree. Anyway, a little more on this idea of... Um, the book Comic Queens, Geek Gods, and Inner Printers, the marketing text of cultural creatives, uh, because this may be where your next job lies. There are no real <laughs> jobs. Uh, what are we going to do? A lot of us are looking around for self-employed. I've been self-employed for 25 years. And um, the idea of being self-employed or starting a small business or being an entrepreneur or even working a multi-level marketing program out of your home, there are a lot of good ones. And uh, this is part of all of that. Now, while entrepreneurs use their business primarily for monetary gain, the entrepreneurs, if you will, use their business to find personal fulfillment. That's the main difference. Creativity, spirituality, emotionality, 
as well as wanting to create some social change. Right? But again, the idea is rather than change the world so that I benefit, it's like change you so the world benefits. That's a very different position. That's not expressed here, but that's one of the ways I would define a cultural creative as opposed to maybe just somebody on the left who still wants to stop war so they can have some peace in their lives. But to most people on the left, the idea of creating peace in your life and then giving that to the world as a way of stopping war, becoming a more peaceful person, meditating on peace and love and justice, because you can't have peace without justice. You can't have love without justice. So you have to work for justice. But the idea of doing it from a peaceful place, seeing peace as a, a countenance or a disposition and an attitude or a or a state of mind would identify you more as a cultural creative. Again, the left, I know these are generalizations, that's all all we can do. The left, if they're politically motivated, wants the world to change so that we can benefit. The cultural creative wants to change his or her life, the way we do business in the world and interact with each other, as a contribution making the world a better place. It's a much more organic and natural flow from the in out, from the inside out into the world. Finally, one more paragraph from this Wikipedia entry I thought was good. It says, in 2008, there has been much discussion in the Western media on the creative economy and the importance of the creative class. Uh, Richard Florida published a series of books on this identified creative class and their upcoming economic importance. Um, in that same year, 2008, that this book came out, Bill Gates told the World Economic Forum, and, uh, Forum rather, that he saw a burgeoning need for creative capitalism. There's the word creative or creativity again as a solution to the world's problems. Uh, they theorize that being creative and inventive will be the key to business success in the 21st century. Creative and inventive. Tired of looking for a job? You're going to have to make one up. You're going to have to create one. You're going to have to invent one. And as long as you're at it, how about it being something that you really love, something you really care about, and therefore something you're going to be good at and motivated to persevere, uh, which, of course, will make you like it even more, and that will make you even better at doing it, and you love it even more, and that's a nice upward spiral, a nice cycle. And uh, finally, a country's economic success, these people are arguing, will be determined by its ability to mobilize, attract, and retain human creative talent. This is one of the big arguments we have with the school system, which is it's still teaching everybody based on age to do the same thing in the same way at the same time. 
at the same age, <laughs> in the same classroom. Fine for the 19th century and most of the 20th century where people were working on assembly lines, doing the same thing the same way at the same time in the same place. But the 21st century, that will not do. These jobs have gone away. The number of unskilled people competing for fewer and fewer unskilled jobs um, is uh, a serious problem. Increasingly, we have machines and robots to do the back, the, the back-breaking labor that um, unskilled people have done. And tragically, unskilled people are being paid less and less and less to do it. We have a kind of economic slavery that continues in, in much of the world, in, uh, including the United States for all of its uh, prosperity. Well, what's up with this questionnaire? Because I found this the most valuable of all when it comes to just identifying yourself and finding yourself and maybe even learning a little about yourself this morning and why it is that you feel rather progressive in your politics, but you don't like politics very much. <laughs> because what drives you is cultural and creative. I think it's a good term, the the cultural creatives. And so let's go back to this book again from the year 2000, the cultural creatives. At that time, 50 million people, arguably today, 70 million or more, just in the United States. We also see this phenomena in Europe, all right, where increasingly people are moving past earn and spend, produce and consume, um, consume, 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 this conspicuous consumption, seeking a life that is simpler and closer to the ground. And I think this may fit for a lot of you. So that's why I'm sharing it with you in the webinar here today. So hear from that book, uh, The Cultural Creatives, published uh, 10 years ago in the year 2000, is a little questionnaire. And you might want to make some hash marks as I read through this, just to keep track of the number that you agree with. That's what we're going to score, the number of these points that you agree with. There are 18 questions, all right? It's not like if you get all 18, that's a perfect score. Uh, I'll tell you how it's graded when we're done. But I just want you to decide basically yes or no and keep track of the yeses. Make little hash marks, right? You know, when you get four, then you put the fifth line through. You count them in groups of five. You know how to do that. So are you a cultural creative? Here we go. You are likely to be a cultural creative if you, number one, love nature and are deeply concerned about its destruction. If that's true for you, then mark down a hash mark. Okay? That's one that you agree with. Number two, you're a cultural creative if you're strongly aware of the problems of the whole planet, global warming, destruction of rainforests, overpopulation, lack of ecological sustainability, 
the exploitation of people in poor countries. And you want to see more action on these issues, such as limiting economic growth. That's number two. That fits for you, but down a little hash mark. All right. Continuing, number three. You're a cultural creative if you would pay more taxes or pay more for consumer goods if there was some way of knowing that the money you're paying would go to clean up the environment and stop global warming. If you disagree with that, if that does not fit, don't put anything down. Otherwise, make a mark that we can count up later. Number four. If you place a great deal of importance on developing and maintaining your relationships, how important are relationships in your life? The emerging culture cares more about relationships, and they are more likely to seek psychotherapy and personal development training, to learn the skills, to argue fairly, to get yourself heard, to stand up for yourself, but to seek harmony in relationship rather than victory. Harmony is much more superior. That's both people winning. And if either loses, then the relationship loses. So the idea is you have to be on the same team, not opposite teams in a relationship. Anytime you're on opposite teams in a relationship, you got to stop and redefine. Is that important to you? If yes, put down a mark on your paper. Number five, it's likely you're a cultural creative if you place a lot of value on helping other people and bringing out their unique gifts. Is that important to you? Do you like to help people? You know, what's more fun, to uh, make $50 to have somebody give you $50 or to give $50 to somebody who really needs it and they look at you in disbelief because you were willing to be that generous and that kind. Which is the bigger rush, to earn the money or to give it to somebody who's really deserving? Not that you don't need to earn money. You know, If you're going to give it away, you got to earn it. But <laughs> who would you rather spend it on? Where, where do you get the big rush from buying stuff and bringing home the boxes? Sure, that's fun. But how about helping other people? You're probably a cultural creative if that's high on your list, if that's important. Um, that would be number five. Number six, it's likely you're a cultural creative if you do volunteering for one or more good causes. Now, I know there's a lot of people that would like to volunteer and just never do because they think they're too busy. Uh, volunteering can be very, very rewarding. Uh, there is an individual in my life who currently is 99 years old. Hard to believe. She's healthy and, and cogent and alert at 99 years old. And it was this woman who years ago, 25 years ago, 20 years ago anyway, encouraged me to get involved in community service and volunteering in Los Angeles. I lived in Glendale at the time, so most of the work I did was in Glendale. 
and I worked with the uh, YMCA. I was on their board of directors for six years. For 10 years, I was at the American Red Cross, two years as disaster chairman, six years on their board of directors. Um, Both of those organizations, the Y and the Red Cross, I found that volunteering for them um, benefited me in ways that uh, were far more impressive than what I think I was giving to other people. It was a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I met a lot of people in my life who said, well, yeah, I'd like to do something like that. I just don't know how to get started. You know, all you have to do is walk in the front door to get started. Any nonprofit, any 501c3 organization is is most likely to accept your willingness to volunteer. So find an issue that you care about and do some volunteer work. The rewards are outrageous. They really are. And... Um, so if you're inclined, uh, so inclined, that's number six. You're probably a cultural creative and, and not merely politically driven. Number seven, it's likely you're a cultural creative if you care intensely about both psychological and spiritual development. That would be personal and spiritual growth. And uh, here you are listening to this class, so I'm sure... That, that would get a yes. That would get a check mark. Number eight, if you see spirituality or religion as important in your life, but you're concerned about the role of the religious right in politics, those are not your values. War, spying, torture, racism. I, I think increasingly people are understanding who the Tea Parties are. It's a bizarre mixture of the Ku Klux Klan and the militia movement, the so-called survivalists, um, paranoid schizophrenics of, of, of the worst kind, the gun freaks, and, uh, you know, the, I don't want to go on about the tea parties, but it disturbs me certainly disturbing, especially the behavior we've seen recently, bringing guns to, to town meetings on health care, assault rifles. <laughs> it's just crazy. If that's not your idea of politics, if that's part of why you hate politics, maybe you're not motivated by, by uh, government and politics. You see, as I said before, a need to interface with with the political machine, but you don't have to identify yourself as political. Identify yourself as a humanitarian or someone that's spiritually driven. That's what this cultural creative is really about, whether it's humanitarian in nature and rather agnostic, or whether you're spiritually motivated, but it's not you cannot align yourself with religion because of the hypocrisy and the, and the violence and the hatred that uh, we often find. Not always, but enough that I saw a study just five or six months ago that said 25% of American adults are now describing themselves as spiritual but not religious. All right? That's a quarter. That's a lot of people. Okay, um, number nine, 
if you want more equality for women at work and more women leaders in business and politics. Number 10, if you're concerned about violence and the abuse of women and children around the world. Number 11, if you want our politics and our government spending to put more emphasis on the education of children and their well-being, on rebuilding our neighborhoods and our communities, and on creating an ecologically sustainable future. That doesn't make you a liberal or a lefty. It just might make you a cultural creative. You're driven. You're an emerging culture. You're a subculture. You're part of a subculture that is emerging in the Western world that wants little to do with business as usual, left or right. Number 12, you're probably a cultural creative if you're unhappy with both the left and right in politics and want to find a new way that is not simply the mushy middle, right? There is a radical middle. I interviewed a guy years and years ago, Mark Satin. Uh, I called him up on the phone a couple of years, just a couple of years ago, just to see if he was still around. He is. He had a newsletter. He works out of Washington. And he writes about the radical middle. It's pretty interesting. Not the mushy middle, but the radical middle, an intelligent middle. Sort of his take on the cultural creative. Mark Satin, if you want to Google him. Um, number 13, you tend to be a, you probably are a cultural creative if you tend to be somewhat optimistic about the future and distrust the cynical and pessimistic view often presented by the news media. In other words, if you don't resonate with the drumbeat of fear in the society, uh, everybody's trying to scare you. The media is trying to scare you. Politicians left and right are trying to scare you. Uh, the enemy is trying to scare you. Your own government's trying to scare you. What is this politic of fear? It's the politic of ignorance and the politic of control. So when we become frightened, we become ignorant or easy to control. The alternative, the antidote is to be fearless, in which case you do not need to control others. You control yourself and um, live happily ever after. <laughs> if uh, Number 14, if you want to be involved in creating a new and a better way of life in our country, that's simple. Does that make sense? Right. If you're not too cynical yet, that would get a hash mark. 15, are concerned about what the big corporations are doing in the name of making more profits they're downsizing, that's a nice word for firing people to make more money, creating environmental problems, and exploiting the poorer countries. If that concerns you, doesn't mean you're a lefty, right? Certainly wouldn't be on the right wing if you cared about that. It could be that you're a cultural creative. And just three more, 16, if you have your finances and spending under control, and are not concerned about overspending. Have you gotten rid of most or all of your credit cards? Are you consciously um, avoiding conspicuous consumption? If you like to reuse 
and recycle. Um, if you understand, you don't need 100 pairs of shoes or 55 T-shirts or 30 pairs of blue jeans, and somehow you can get by with less. Um, and you've got all the gadgets and doodads around the house that you really need, willing to give up that conspicuous consumption. Remember what George Bush said the day after 9-11? He said, go out and spend money. Forget about all this. Go spend money. After all, that's who you are <laughs> to those people. You're a consumer. They just want your money. You work for them. They pay you less than you're worth. Money you use to buy their products, which are overpriced. Seventeen, if you dislike the emphasis in modern culture on success and making it, on getting and spending, on wealth and luxury goods, if that all seems over the top to you, and finally, you're probably a cultural conservative if you like people and places that are exotic and foreign, if you like experiencing and learning about other ways of life, if you like to travel, and you like people who are different than you, if you actually like being exposed to people who have different beliefs. That could identify you as a cultural creative. Well, there's 18 points. Now, the score is simple. Count them up, and if you agreed with 10 or more on that list, it's likely that you're a cultural creative, motivated not by politics or ideology, but by values, by progressive values. 10 or more. If you agreed with 10 or more of the 18 items on that list, you're a values, cultural, creative. You know, frankly, I wish there were better terms than cultural, creative to describe us. A better term for the new self-employed businesswoman and man, something better than entrepreneur, which we talked about in Ron uh, Rentel's book. I'm not crazy about these terms, and I think that's why they haven't stuck. I don't really like liberal. Personally, I think of myself as a progressive, but again, as you can probably tell by the way I'm presenting this class today, I, I am not driven politically. I, I'm interested in politics. I follow it as a spectator sport. I, I do that instead of following sports. I don't really follow sports. I'm one of those men that doesn't get it. You, you couldn't get me to watch a football game or a baseball game. If I went to the park, well, baseball, it's a park. Football, it's a stadium. <laughs> Remember that George Carlin bit? Uh, uh in the stadium, you score. In the park, you come home. Baseball is a much more civilized sport. I'm just, I just don't follow baseball, basketball, football. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I don't think I've ever watched the Super Bowl in my life. Uh, I just don't care. I played sports as a kid. I loved baseball. I played varsity football. I lettered in high school. Um, you know, always been rather athletic, but I don't spend my time doing that. 
much less fantasy sports. A lot of people are into role-playing games and fantasy sports. And I watch politics. That's my sport, I guess. That's my spectator sport. But anytime I begin to feel that the solutions to our problems, personal, national, or international, is going to have to come from government, I I try to reorient myself. I don't really believe that. I think it's going to take the development of consciousness and emerging culture, working through politics and government, yes, but also working to set up their own businesses, to be entrepreneurs, to be creative and inventive, um, to find a human need, ideally doing something that you love to do in an area that excites you, that stimulates you, that you love to do, and that therefore you're really good at. I mean, take another look at the likelihood that the things you're best at are the things you love to do, and the things you love to do just happen to be where your gifts and talents lie or lay. (laughs) You see, that's what we should be doing. Stop looking for a job, working for somebody else. Because some 24-year-old would come in and fire you and steal all the money and get a golden parachute. We've had 20 years of this robber baron, uh, this this economic vampirism in the society. Why keep doing that? Why, Why go to work for these guys? When you can find a real human need and meet it. I'd like to do more webinars on this in the future, programs on how you can become more independent, more self-reliant, practice voluntary simplicity, and um, find yourself in this outline of an emerging culture in the Western world, Europe and the United States, of these values, not right-wing values, but more than left-wing values far more than left-wing values. That's the cultural creative. All right. Remember, these uh, webinars, though we're listening live, are available as streaming audio, and they're also podcasts. So if you find value in this program or any other, I hope you'll forward it to your friends. We've made that easy to do at theagelesswisdom.com. If you click on the homepage... Remember the T-H-E, the word the, is part of the address. So it's the W's dot, theagelesswisdom.com. And when you hit the splash page, click on home page to come on in. And then web teleconferences will reveal the archives to you. And there's a gadget right there, a link. If you click on it, it says send one to a friend. You can forward any one of these webinars. Uh, as a streaming audio um, to your friends. I'd also like those of you who do listen to this program as a podcast to consider commenting at the iTunes store or uh, podfeed.net 
or Podcast Alley or Podcast Pickle or any of the podcast directories that you use, especially the iTunes store. Uh, I've got five or six comments up there now, but they're old. They're from 2008 and 2009. And when people are surfing through the iTunes store for podcasts, they rely on those comments and those ratings. So if you can give us a nice, heartfelt, honest, uh, high rating and say some nice things about why you like this program, uh, I'd really appreciate it. Um, You can do it at the iTunes store, providing you have an account with iTunes. If you got your podcast there or if you buy music or videos from an iTunes store, that's easy to do. Or, um, again, Podcast Alley, podfeed.net. Podcast Pickle, those are some of the big ones. And they all have ways of adding your comments. So uh, just if you pay it forward, it helps everybody concerned. thought I'd mention that, too. So, again, this handout, I'll be happy to email to anybody who wants it. All you have to do is send an email to me requesting the handout for today and cultural creatives and address it to my initials at theagelesswisdom.com. So mb at theagelesswisdom.com and say, hey, man, send me that handout from today on the uh, cultural creatives, and I'll get that out to you as a uh, as a PDF file. Okay, so whatever computer platform you're running, whatever kind of software you have, you'll be able to read it. Okay, um, let's see. Let's go to our questions. If you're listening on the web and you want to type in just a hello or a question or a comment, do so now. Add your name and city and be sure and hit submit. If you don't hit submit, it doesn't go through. And if you're on the telephone and have a question or a comment, uh, go to um, the touchpad of your phone and press star 2 and you'll get a voice prompt confirming that your hand has been raised, and we get to uh, those calls in just a minute. Let's um, let me poke around just a minute here and see who's on the telephone and who's listening to the webcast. All right, and let me go to the questions or our our questions. Where'd it go? Q&A. Here it is. Couldn't find it for a minute. All right. Let's see who's with us today. Phil Jaffe is with us. He says, Phil's in Canoga Park. He says, uh, don't forget to meet us in the Ageless Wisdom chat room after the Mystery School today. Yeah, I'll do that today. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that, Phil. That's another thing I'd like to suggest that listeners of this class do, if you haven't already, is sign up for our social net. It's we, we, we have our own social net. It's a lot like Facebook, but it's for people like us. Again, the, the um, spiritually motivated, the personal development crowd, the cultural creatives, progressives, uh, we have our own social net. And it's very much like my website. There's just one little element, 
just before the com, and that's the the word Ning, N-I-N-G, like Nancy I-N-G. So to go to the social net, it's the W's dot the ageless wisdom dot Ning dot com. And gosh, that's got its own chat room 24-7. There's discussions going on there. I've only got a few dozen people, so it's not, a, it's not as uh, as active as it will be in the near future. But lots of folks are posting JPEGs and videos and music and, again, sending messages to each other. This is the community you're looking for. This is the group of listeners to this program and similar programs. So um, I've been making it a habit to stop by the chat room when we finish these live Sunday webinars. I'll do that today, too. Okay, so... Sign up for that, too. Sign up once, it's all free, and then sign in often. TheAgelessWisdom.ning.com From Los Angeles, Patricia is with us, Patricia Vega. She says, hi, Michael. I want to say I'm happy that you feel better, and also what a trip that the subject of this class is exactly what's been on my mind all week. Thank you. Well, thanks, Patricia. Maybe that's where I got the idea. Like minds, you know, great minds. Robert in Irvine says, Hey, Michael, wonderful discussion today, and hope all is well with you. I scored high on the survey, but honestly, I can't stand politics. I know that's exactly the point. He says, One point I'm weak on in the survey has to do with more government involvement in education, community programs, and ecological issues. I strongly believe more needs to be done, but because of my libertarian views, I have a strong mistrust of government, especially most Republicans and Democrats. How do you suggest I reconcile the conflict? Um, I'm not sure it needs reconciliation. If you're comfortable being a libertarian, um, I think the basic problem I've always faced with libertarianism is to what extent um, many years ago, I interviewed the uh, Republic or the uh, Libertarian candidate for president, and I don't even remember his name. Shows to go, you right? But I met him at L.A. Airport. I had to go to the L.A. Airport to meet him, and I stood there with my tape recorder over my shoulder and a microphone and interviewed him for five or ten minutes. And one of the questions that I asked in several different ways of this fellow was, I understand your libertarian nature is basically smaller government is better, that it's sort of the, the Reagan position of government doesn't solve problems, government is the problem. But what about the poor? What about hungry children? What about unemployment? And do you really think all schools should be private schools and every road a toll road? And do you really want private fire departments and and private police forces? And he then began to talk like a real person and said, well, no, of course, we... We need transitions. 
we need some sort of welfare program, but not as a, a permanent class, that we create a welfare class of generation after generation that seems to be addicted to to welfare. We need some kind of program to support people at a minimum level while they go back to school, while they get a skill, while they find a job or create one for themselves. And I said, well, I thought libertarians wanted all roads to be toll roads and all schools to be private. And he said, well, many do, he said, but I think we have to be reasonable and balanced. And so that if, that's the only way I know to answer your question, Robert, is um, I don't know that your conflict needs to be reconciled. I think it's a matter of degree, what's appropriate. And what government? Right now, our government is so corrupt, so thoroughly corrupt, by corporate money and other special interests, that there's not much you can do. Uh, the health care debate, that it's even close. <laughs> you know, 45,000 people a year die. People lose their homes. We're the only industrialized nation in the world that does not provide for health care. And yet a libertarian view would say, uh-uh, you're on your own. So, um, you know, you have to be a compassionate libertarian. You have to be moderate in all things, even libertarianism. And then if uh, we could have a, a, a government without political parties, I think this is something else we'd have to consider. Many great statesmen in this country have, have warned us about political parties. You don't have to have political parties. Every politician could be an independent. You just banish, ban, outlaw um, PACs, political action committees, uh, and political parties themselves. I, I don't expect that's going to happen anytime soon. But it could, and I think it would be really great for the, for the government. Imagine if you didn't call yourself a libertarian or a Republican or a, or a Democrat or even a cultural creative. You, you just said, well, I'm like everybody else. I'm an independent, I think, for myself. Something to consider. I like a lot of the tenets of libertarianism. I just think you need to, you know have some moderation, some balance. You know, there was a time when, a hundred years ago in this country, where fire departments were not um, government agencies, and you you paid a fee to um, a private fire department. And that fire department would give you a medallion that you would attach to the outside of your house. So if your house burned down and somebody calls the fire department, the first thing they do is check your medallion to see if you paid your fee. And if if you hadn't paid your fee to this private fire department, maybe you were paying a fee to a, another fire department, well, this fire department would leave. Let your house burn down. Let, let your dogs and your cats burn up. I don't know any libertarian that that thinks we should go back to that or have five or six different police forces in any given city and you've got to decide uh, let's see do I call Brinks 
the Pinkertons or uh, the Michael Benner Security Agency? <laughs> who do I call? And, uh, you know, then who polices the roads and the highways? And does that go to the highest bidder? And we'll work all this out in a few hundred years. Tony's with us out of Hollywood, says, hey, Michael, great show. Thanks for providing this uh, wonderful podcast every week and the live webinar. Look forward to Sunday afternoon listening live from Hollywood. That's Tony. So thanks for that, gang. Let's go to the telephones and see if I have any callers. I do not see anybody with hands up at this point. I've got 12 minutes after the hour so. Let's, um, we can check back here after the visualization. Let's do a guided imagery exercise, as we always do, to, in a sense, install what we've learned today. And uh, then we'll check the questions one more time and uh, call it a day. Then we'll go over to the Ning site for a little while. So get comfortable, pump up some pillows if this is a good time for you to get centered, to feel balanced, to begin to quiet the brain chatter and the turmoil in your emotional nature by sitting still and feeling balanced and centered do a couple of head rolls in one direction and then the other, some shoulder shrugs and allow your shoulders to fall back so your rib cage opens up. And again, feel balanced. The idea is not to use muscular tension to sit erect, but to allow yourself to feel balanced and centered and very relaxed. Feeling safe and relaxed, take a nice, slow, deep breath, inhaling. Fill your lungs, hold as you peak, and exhale just as slowly as you inhaled. And go beyond where you'd normally stop. And do that again and again. Two, three, four. Slow, deep breaths. Pulling in strength and power as you inhale. Pause for a moment, and as you exhale, ah, feel the letting go. Muscles unwinding. Create and sense the feeling of letting go from head to toe. And then turn your breathing over to autopilot. Let your body breathe itself. And bring your attention gently to the bottom of your nose. And create a small, singular point of awareness on that ridge line of cartilage between the nostrils. At the very point where air enters and leaves the body. And by forming this simple intention, focus your attention gently 
on your body breathing itself all by itself consider any thoughts other than listening to me as a guide and watching your breathing but any other thoughts, consider them simple distractions. Don't fight them or grab them. Don't push them away or throw them away. Simply drop them, let go. Release your distractions. like yesterday's garbage wrapped in yesterday's newspaper. Just drop it in the trash. And put your attention gently upon the bottom of your nose again. As you watch the natural ebb and flow of your breathing, feel safer and more relaxed. Emotionally more calm, mentally quieter, physically feeling safe and relaxed. I'd like you to ask yourself silently and internally, what do I care about in my life? Watch what comes up. Some of you think in pictures. Some of you think with sounds and voices. Some of you just feel feelings in your body. Many of us, it's a little of all three in some combination. But just as you watch your breath at the bottom of your nose, watch what happens. Be the watcher when you ask yourself, in my life, what's really important? What do I care about? Follow up on that by asking yourself what are some of the things that other people care about that really don't matter at all to me or don't matter very much to me Ask yourself, I wonder why it is that these things are so important to so many other people. And though they have some importance to me, they just don't rank that high. What, what is it about me, and my desires, my longing, 
my values and ethics, my priorities that make me unique. And then go back, repeat simply, what do I care about? Really, in the big scheme of things, what do I care about? What do I love? And then ask yourself silently and internally as the watcher, as the witness of your thoughts and feelings. Well, why do I care about these things and not those? Why? Then ask yourself, this simple exercise of contemplation these values these cares that I'm reflecting upon now to what extent do they form an identity to what degree am I what I care about what degree and in what way am I what I love? And is my identity, my sense of self, whatever label I may apply, more a product of my thinking and my analysis, or is it rather a product of my intuition and my deeper, subtler, emotional nature? my identity more in my thoughts or my feelings? now before I end this exercise and before I ask you to open your eyes and come back into the room 
would like you to focus on the bullseye, the very center of what you care about. I'd like you to combine to the best of your ability your values, what's important to you, what you love, what you live for, into the tightest bullseye and visualize it and love it, care about it. As if you feel a warmth, an energy, a light, a magnetic feeling radiating from you out to what it is that you love about life, the most important target, the bullseye. Send your love and your light. Send your hope and your optimism and your caring nature to the world in this way. Understanding the importance of having a clear intention. Even when you're not sure what to do with it. Especially if you're not sure exactly what steps to take. Be clear about your intention. Your priorities. That what you value and hold dear and near to you. Especially if this feels at all scary. All the more reason to embrace what you love. What you truly care about. And then say to yourself silently and internally, I am that. I am what I love. I am who I love. I am why I love, I am that I love, I am love. And love what you love, what you care about, what's important to you. Think for yourself and have the courage of your convictions for it will set you free. Your job is not to please other people by betraying and ignoring yourself. It is to know yourself, to develop yourself, and offer that as support to other people. 
to know yourself, to grow yourself, and to express yourself lovingly and creatively out into the world in service to other people. And you can take that with you. At the end of time. For it's your identity. It's who you are. And it's who you're becoming. And bringing that peace of mind and that love in your heart. That simple sense of clarity of your own priorities and values and ethics. Take a nice, slow, deep breath, filling your lungs. Hold as you peek. Exhale slowly. Ah, Feel the letting go and open your eyes wide awake and alert, rested, refreshed, energized, and back in the room. Back in the room, feeling good. All right, um, thank you very much for being here. Let me hit refresh. I don't see any uh, new comments. Oh, yeah, Eric and Brentwood came by and said, Hey, Michael, thanks for sharing your energy with us. It's inspiring and helpful as I tune in when I can and use the iTunes link every week. I love it when you speak of politics and religion. And uh, great to hear a perspective motivated by love, not fear. Well, thank you, Eric. You say that very well. I'd like to encourage all of you people to be teachers. You know, there's such a remarkable collection of people that come to this class as we approach the two-year mark. We have over 100 programs in the archives. I hope you'll help yourself to those programs. Intended pun there, help yourself. To any of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School programs, Use the gadget we talked about before at the audio archives of theagelesswisdom.com. The send one to a friend gadget, forward these programs to people that you know are looking for this kind of information or somebody that you think of while you're listening to one of these programs. Anything you can do to post uh, links to this program to our website, or to to other Internet resources that are doing this kind of work that you think are valuable. That's what Twitter and Facebook and these social nets are for. Your email, too. People send the silliest stuff in email. Um, that's fine. You want to send pictures of uh, Cocker Spaniel puppies and... Um, little kittens to each other, that's wonderful. I have no problem with that. But send some links that empower individuals and, and give them hope and and make a change. And you just say in the email or the social net post on Facebook or Twitter, um, there's a whole bunch of them, you know, MySpace and Bebo and LinkedIn, and there's all kinds of social nets. Uh, but post the links that you love. Get the word out there. And uh, as I said as I said a little while ago, uh, we'd love to have you sign up for the social net that goes with this work, the agelesswisdom.ning.com. That's and like Nancy I-N-G. And join us in chat in a few minutes over at theagelesswisdom.ning.com. If you haven't signed in, if you haven't signed up, 
I'll have to approve you. That just takes a few minutes. I'll go in and do that. Don't worry about that. I'll get you approved right away. It's just a step we go through to prevent spam. And um, then we'll meet you in chat. Please fill out your profile, put in a nice picture of yourself or some avatar, and um, let us uh, hear some of your music and see some of your JPEGs and post some videos and and um, develop and design your own page any way you'd like. Message each other. Have some fun with us. And uh, you'll always find links there to these programs as well. And finally, I want to mention that it's a premium audio podcast that I do with my business partner of 35 years, Steve Snyder, that really allows us to do all of these. All these free programs and services are paid for by a small percentage of you who have found it in your heart to donate 99 cents a week for a studio-quality premium podcast that Steve and I do together every week. We bill three ninety six a month. You can pay more if you'd like. We do have some contributors that have been very generous with us. We appreciate that. But basically, to keep all this other stuff free, the Mystery School and the Social Nets and the, and the e-books and the articles we have at both websites, we rely on our paid subscribers at Focused Passion. Com. There's an ED in there, focusedpassion.com. You'll love these. They're guaranteed. If you don't, we'll refund your last month's payment, 99 cents a week. Use any debit card, ATM card, whatever you got, and uh, we'll get you signed up. And if you're not happy, nobody's done it yet in two years, uh, you'll also find an archive on that side of over 100 programs. And those are just 99 cents premium um, audio program, studio quality, a conversation between Steve and I, who together we've got like 75, 80 years of research. Let us share with you some of what we're finding in personal and spiritual development and mindfulness and meditation. Support that premium audio podcast and you'll have the good feeling of knowing you're you're not only getting a great deal on personal development stuff at 99 cents a show, but you're helping to support all the free stuff, okay? Because even 3.96 a month is something that some people have to think twice about. I know it's hard to believe you put more money in that in the parking meters, but to some people that's an issue. So if you've got it and you can support 99 cents a week, We'd love to have you come by and, and uh, sign up at FocusedPassion.com as well. And the newsletter you're getting every week covers both podcasts, both programs, the premium podcast, Finding Yourself in Paradise, and the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. So with that, thank you very much. Mahalo, as we say in Hawaii. Appreciate you being here. Again, tell your friends, forward the newsletter, forward links to these programs, Get on board at FocusedPassion.com. Join us in chat in about five minutes over at the Ning site. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui.